Hi, you've tuned in to the Lovely Travels podcast where we talk about all things travel and adventure. My name is Emma Lovell, also known as Lovely, and I have a mission to visit every UN-recognised country in the world while raising awareness for mental health. Join me as we revisit some of my past adventures, speak to fellow travellers and interesting locals, all while following the journey to 195 countries. I'll be joined soon by my co-pilot, Darius, in Germany. And sometimes we're even going to hit the road together. Make sure to join in the adventure by following me on Instagram, Lovely Travels. You can also join our Facebook group, Lovely Travels Community, and learn more about us at the website, lovelytravels.com. But for now, it's listening time. Travel vicariously along with us. Hello and welcome everyone to the Lovely Travels podcast. Um, special bumper episode this week. Um, Emma is talking to Kent. Um, how do you know Kent? Who is Kent? Tell me about Kent. Well, today is International Day of People with Disabilities and so we wanted to uh, have this week a bit special. We don't usually do two episodes in a week um, but it was really important to um we had Julie Jones on from Travel Without Limits on Tuesday on our regular day and I wanted to um, follow on. So Julie has a, a son who has a disability and travels with him and, and now works in the industry and shares information about accessible travel. But I also wanted to speak to mm. somebody who lives with a disability and Kent McKelvey um, has a disability himself and travels <laughs> so he fit the bill yeah wow but uh yeah how we know each other i used to pet sit his cats when i ran my pet sitting business um he and his lovely partner susan oh. <laughs> so um and some of those times yeah they were traveling or they were um yeah he actually plays wheelchair tennis and goes to tournaments overseas as well which is really cool wow uh, so he shared a lot about that. But, um, yeah, he actually joined our Facebook group, Lovely Travels Community, and he private messaged me one day and said, hey, Emma, are you going to talk about uh, accessible travel, you know, travel for people with disabilities? And mm. I said, absolutely, uh, but, you know, it's not really my place to just talk about that because I don't have a disability. Um, mm. So I wanted to talk to somebody with a lived experience. And so I said, you know, Kent, <laughs> shall you come on? And he obliged. So, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's safe to say he could probably kick my butt at tennis. Yeah. Well, it's, it's quite different. People who are good at tennis – um, you know, the I guess traditional tennis that we've seen that is um, mm. without a wheelchair. Um, when you get into a wheelchair, but even for wheelchair users, they doesn't mean they necessarily can just go and play tennis because his wheelchair for tennis is different to his wheelchair day-to-day. They're completely different. So he shares sure. all about that. Um, I mean, also the fact that you're trying to wheel a wheelchair, which actually isn't as easy as one thinks. <laughs> I've done it a couple of times and they there's like balancing and stuff that's involved in that. And um, yeah, you can't just jump in a wheelchair and any old wheelchair and give it a go. They're very customized too to the person. So it's a lot yeah. more to it than people think. Um, yeah. You know, then comes into it air travel, trying to 
get your wheelchair on there. Um, sometimes they just want to give you the one in the airport. That is completely inappropriate for a person. Anyway, Kent can speak to this. <laughs> I just said I don't want to speak about, yeah, we talked about all of that. So well, I learn a lot and um, you will too. Yeah. Um, again, oh, as always, looking very much forward to this to this conversation. And um, yeah, let's let's hear what Kent has to say. Welcome to the Lovely Travels podcast, Kent. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to it. So, actually, you approached me. Um, I started the Facebook group because of, of the podcast and because of my Instagram, and you actually asked me if we would be approaching the subject of travel, uh, people with a disability traveling uh, or accessible travel. Uh, and I said, absolutely. Um, but I wanted to invite somebody who actually had lived experience. So yep. it's really good to have you. And But I'd love to hear a little bit about you as a person and um, yep. tell me a bit about you. Okay. Well, I, I don't know if this is going to be a visual podcast or just a, a, um, a, um, a audio podcast, but um, generally uh, people can't tell I have a disability uh, if I'm not in my wheelchair, um, except if they see me walk. But um, I had an accident uh, 25 plus years ago, um, had my back uh, broken, so a vertebrae was shattered and my spinal cord was compressed. It wasn't severed, uh, so I can still walk. Um, I've just lost some function and um, sensation through the lower parts of my legs. Um, and because of this, uh, for any long distance kind of walking, um, I'll use a wheelchair. So uh, just for fatigue and pain management. Yeah. Yeah. So. Can I ask which vertebrae? Uh, the uh, T12. Oh, I did T11L1. Oh. I had a snowboarding accident in 2009. Mm. So I managed to skip T12. You picked it up. Well done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not pleasant. Uh, not fun. No. Do not no. Uh, Do not recommend it at all. So, yeah, I spent three months in hospital doing pretty intensive rehab and uh, for the last 25 years been continuing with that said red rehab. So it's an ongoing thing. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, it's a good thing that I enjoy doing exercise because it, it's really important to, to keep my mobility and um, to, to enable me to do the things that I enjoy doing. So um, if I if I didn't do those sort of things, I wouldn't be able to get out and, and do, you know, all the stuff that I enjoy to do. And the activities that I did prior to the accident that I <clears throat> I don't do anymore because it's just it's difficult, um, but um, there are modified ways of doing, doing them or finding different ways to enjoy them. I used to do a lot of hiking. Obviously can't do a lot of hiking these days because hiking trails aren't wheelchair accessible and um, spending that much time on my feet is just it's not it's not good for me. Yeah. But I can go kayaking. It's exactly the same thing. It's just a different way of doing it. So. Yeah, different different angle, different view. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Like, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. But so. you, um, you play tennis and you play it quite well. Was that something you played before your accident? Um, I played as a junior up till about uh, the age of 14 um, and then 
you know, I was a teenager, I wanted to try something else and I, I played baseball from about that time up until I was 24 and I had my accidents and then um, I was also at the time of the accident um, starting to do some triathlons. Uh, so I did a lot of riding, a bit of running, swimming, obviously. Um, when I After the accident, I started riding again. I had my, had my accident on my bike. I got hit by a car wow. um, 12 months after, well, not even 12 months after the accident, I was back on the bike. Um, and then uh, I actually did some competitive cycling uh, in a multi-disability um, uh, competition and then um, I was looking for something else to do and I had no interest in doing wheelchair basketball and um, I was volunteering or doing some work at Sporting Wheelers and Disabled Association and they needed someone to do uh, the driving for the Queensland Wheelchair Tennis Open which was being held at Mooloolabar so I had to pick the athletes up from the international airport and drive them up to Mooloolabar and I'd never seen tennis before. I'd never even heard of wheelchair tennis. And because I'd played before, I was like, oh, I'll check this out. And saw it and went, oh, I want to have a go at that. And that was in the January. And I didn't get to actually try until I think it was August that year. And one of the guy, the Queensland players that had played at the tournament also played basketball. And I was at bar, the bar, watching the basketball one night. And he said, oh, when are you going to come out and have a hit? And I went, oh, well, when, when do you go? And he's like, oh, we play at UQ on whatever night it was. And I went, okay, um, I don't have a chair or anything. He's like, no, we can organise that. So I went down and had a hit and they, I, and I actually hadn't hit a tennis ball in when I'd stopped when I was 14. So wow. at this stage I was 27. So it'd been a quite a time. The shots were still there. I'd needed, obviously needed a lot of work. I'd never used the chair prior to that either. I'd left, I'd left the hospital on crutches and the chair was never an option. And so I had to learn how to use the chair as well. But I kind of I got out there and I had to go and the guys there said, oh, we're going to play a tournament in, in a month. You should come and play. And I went, oh, okay, no worries. I'll do that. <laughs> I went to my first tournament after being on the court three times. Um, yeah, so and I've been playing pretty steadily since. So that was in '99. Wow! And so, yeah. and it's an adapted chair. It's a different chair to what you would use on the street. On yes. The yeah. Yeah. So it's it's got a it's got a greater angle on the wheels, um, for quicker turning turning and manoeuvring on the court. Um, it it. My, my chair sits a lot higher. It's got a wheel on the back to stop you from tipping over and um, it's a tighter fit and there's a bunch of straps on, on that I have on me to sort of keep me nice and tight in the chair. So. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Wow. And that's, and that's it's different. It's a different feeling as well. You, you hadn't used the chair. But when, yeah. you, when you, you know, it's going to be a different experience of the type of chair to the, you are going to use on the tennis court. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So, um, notice uh, like if I if I get out of my when I've been in my tennis chair playing and then I get back into my my day chair to move around, it just it feels really awkward and ungainly because they're they're built so differently for different purposes. And you know, my day chair is used for cruising around, and um, so yeah, the because the chairs are 
built so differently and my day chair is not as manoeuvrable and it just feels so awkward in there for, for a little while. And, and you know, my, my day chair is lightweight and, and, and made for, to, to be easier getting around. It's not heavy or, or anything. So, um, but yeah, the, the tennis chair, if I could spend more of my time in my tennis chair, I would. Yeah, <laughs> I just feel so much freer in it. Like I can move faster. I can, you know, I'm more agile in it, and you know all those sort of things. So, and so, like, is the net the same height? Is it yep. Like so, the so point? the only difference, other than the chair, uh, the only difference that we have in wheelchair tennis is um, we're allowed two bounces. Okay. So okay. for singles, we play on the singles court. Doubles is on the doubles court. The net's the same height. Um, points are all the same. Um, so we're allowed to t- the two bounces. We don't have to use two bounces. We don't have to wait for it to bounce the second time before we can hit it. If I get to it on the first, I'll play it on the first. If in the air, I'll play it out of the air. So um, the second one just gives us a little bit more time to get to the ball if we need. We can't move sideways. So we've got to, we've yes. got to travel bigger distances. So it just gives us that much, bit more time. So. Absolutely, and yeah. I'm sure you're still hitting it pretty hard and fast. Just oh, I, I do okay. <laughs> not as not as not as good as the, the top guys do, but I mean they that's their full time job, so you know. Yeah, you hope so. So, um, you were saying before Malulaba. So you currently live in Queensland. Yes, Are in you Brisbane. From Queensland? Uh, not originally. Um, I was born in Adelaide. Um, many, 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 many years ago. Um, my dad was in the army, so we moved around a lot. Um, so every eighteen months, two years, I was moving to a new town, school, whatever. Uh, and dad discharged from the army in nineteen eighty-two. So we, um, his last posting was to Brisbane because that's where he wanted to, to settle. So he requested to be posted to Brisbane. Uh, so we, yeah, we moved to Brisbane in nineteen eighty-two. And then even since then I've moved quite a bit. So mostly just in within Queensland. Uh, I did do a stint down in Adelaide for a while and I've, um, I don't know if I could really call it living overseas, but, you know, spending six months in the States for in in one spot and, but sort of travelling out from there for, for that period. And, um, yeah, so I've kind of always been moving around and, actually bought a place 12 months ago. We've been here 12, just over 12 months now, but I never thought I'd actually be buying a house, but here we are. So Yeah, so travel's kind of just in your in your life. Yes, and I get itchy feet. Like it, it's, uh, it doesn't happen so much these days, but uh, I would always find I get restless and I'd want to, and it would be around the two-year mark. I'm like, right, what's next? Where am I going? Yeah. But, yeah, it, as, as I've gotten older, it doesn't happen so much, but certainly did when I was younger because that, that's what I was used to. So, Well, thankfully now, you, especially at this time of COVID, I'm glad you've got that itchy feet out. I think we've all got itchy feet, though. Oh, yeah, and I, I think that's because we're being forced to not – well, but we're not being forced. I mean, I, I can't travel overseas, obviously, and I can't really travel interstate. Queensland is a massive state and has so much to offer. So now would be a great time and opportunity to go explore that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so how do you find travel in Australia um, accessibility-wise? Um, pretty pretty good. I mean, we're, we're a fairly new country. Uh, obviously, the 
a lot of the older buildings and stuff aren't, aren't always accessible. Um, and I do have that advantage that if I if I'm aware of access issues at a place, I won't use the chair. Yeah. But I have that choice, so it's it's not not everyone has that choice. So if you're you're in a chair and that's your only way of getting around, and you rock up at a place and it's not accessible, or the access is through the back doors, through a back alley. Um, yeah, it's not always a pleasant experience, and and some people and I've I've done it um, myself where I've just gone, you know what, I'm not I'm not going to bother. I can't get into the building in my chair. I'm just going to miss out on that. So you kind of you, you can miss out on on things because of limited access. But Australia's pretty good. Um, I haven't really had a a bad experience. I know. I know others that have had horrible experiences uh, with airlines or, um, you know, accommodation and things like that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I haven't really had any terrible experiences uh, with it. And um, I think I've had one time where I was at a hotel in Melbourne and um, – I was sharing, actually sharing the room with another. Uh, well, I was down there for a tournament, so I was sharing another with another player, and he's in a chair all the time. And the bed um, was a little close to the uh, entry into the bathroom, and he couldn't fit his chair through it. And we kind of just we just went to the reception and they went, "Ah, oh, we'll fix that." And they just came in and moved all the furniture aside so he could actually get into the bathroom easier. And once he was in there, everything was fine. But you know, there was just that that small hiccup and, um, yeah, most places are pretty accommodating with that sort of thing. So um, as long as you tell them to prior to arriving that you need an accessible room or you're getting on a flight travelling with chairs, um, they're pretty good. Is that frustrating though, having to always have that additional step of of doing the research or contacting beforehand or...? I mean... (sighs) Travelling, everyone that travels does a certain amount of research anyway before they go somewhere. It's like, oh, what are, what are the activities I want to do? So uh, obviously for me, I've got a little bit of extra to consider. So if I was wanting to go on a ski trip, mm-hmm. I have to research and find where can I get accessible equipment to go skiing. Um, but there's also organisations out there to help and um you know, and I, I'm, I'm at an advantage. I've worked in a sporting organisation for people with disabilities, so um, I kind of know where I could go to, to all right, I, I want to go skiing, I can call that person, they'll be able to give me the contact details of someone that will be able to give me accessible equipment. And I also have a bunch of friends all over Australia and the world that I'm, I'm like, I'm going to be in Canada in, you know, December, I want to go skiing and, you know, I just contact someone I know in Canada and they'd be able to give me the contacts for where I can get equipment. So, yeah. um, and that's, I think, one of the advantages of playing tennis um, at the level I have. I've met players from all around the world. So I just get on Facebook and send them a message and say, hey, I'm coming to town, sort of thing. Not necessarily catch up with them, but <laughs> what do I need to uh, okay. consider for access or anything like that? So, that's, that's really good. I mean, and it's great that you have that network. I think some people 
uh, right. don't and they maybe don't even approach, don't think that they can travel or wouldn't even try because they just, it's just, it seems like there's too many barriers. Yes. It's the same. Yeah. It, it, and it is. It, and I, you know, I, I definitely see it within um, the community that people will not do something because they, they see too many barriers in the way. Whereas um, most of the time I'm like, well, that's a barrier to be broken down. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you ever have that challenge of, like you said, I mean, so you would have to travel now with the chair always just in case? Yes. Yeah. Do you ever have that challenge of people kind of seeing you walk and then seeing you use the chair and, and being like, mm, why don't you just walk then? Yes. And, and it's funny, I get it, I get it from um, the, the, disability community and I get it from the able-bodied community. They're like, um, you know, I get some funny looks, someone will meet me and I'm standing up when they meet me and then the next day they see me in the chair and they're like, oh, my God, what happened? <laughs> uh, or, you know, some I've, I've had other um, people with disabilities say to me, why do you use a chair? You can walk. And I'm like, well, it's walking has its own set of issues you know if I do too much of it I actually start to lose more sensation yeah so um which I did for years I I didn't use a chair I I backpacked through Europe and didn't use a chair and I'd actually thrown away my my crutches and walking stick by that time because they just got in the way and I went I'm just going to walk and I walked for days of walking and just accepted that's that's how things are going to be because I have this injury and it's not going to change, so I just accept it. Um, and it wasn't until after I actually started using the chair and we went to New Zealand and we were doing a few day hikes out to the glaciers and, you know, travelling down the, the west coast of the South Island, so we're going to Fox Glacier and Franz Joseph and, all amazing experiences and I'm walking out there and doing all that and I was in the shower and kind of just washing down and then I'm like, I can't feel stuff when I'm, you know, touching the top of my legs and I'm like, I can't feel that. That's not good and, all right, I've done too much walking, spent the next few days in the chair and everything started to ease off. So it's a consideration that, you know, I need to sort of think of like it's balancing that. Walking, you know, I, I want to keep that functionality, um, but it also has its own problems that it can actually cause too much damage if I actually do much of it. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, I wanted to ask, you know, like you said, you have you haven't had too many terrible experiences, which is great. But how do you feel like travel could be made more accessible, or? How could travellers be more considerate? Other travellers be more considerate? Um, I think um, one of the so one one of the perks of of being in a chair is we always get boarded first on on flights. Yeah, uh, and always you, you'll hear grumblings about why are they getting on first or oh it's because it, it takes us longer to to board, you know, if I've got to wheel down to the plane and then I've got to transfer onto an aisle chair and then and then 
which I can't move by myself. I've got to have someone push it and then they take me to the seat and then I've got to transfer onto the seat. And, you know, it, that all takes extra time. It's not like I can just walk down, walk to my seat and sit down. So, and you need space um, too to do that. You don't want people around you with all your bags and stuff to work. Yeah, exactly. You need to you Yeah, or and I've, I have friends that are notoriously late, so they're uh, – they they will um, end up having to be the last board on the plane, and then it, it holds up the flight. And, and you know, people are, oh, my flight's being late, and you know, it's like just having a little bit of, I guess, empathy about, you know, it's it, it takes a little bit of extra time. But um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but you know, that's I, I've seen. Uh, people messing around with loading their bags into the overhead locker that take longer to do that than it does someone to transfer out of their chair. So, you know, it's, yeah. I don't stand there grumbling about that. You're holding up, holding up proceedings, people. <laughs> and so do you have to now travel when you you go for tennis tournaments? Do you take your own? Uh, I take two chairs. Two chairs, yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's always a, a, uh, it's a sight to see me going through an airport because <laughs> I'm in my day chair and I have my tennis chair in front of me and on top of that I will have my bag. So I have a very large racket bag that has a couple of rackets in it but then all my clothes and tools for my chair and spare tubes and a pump and all those sort of things and it sits on top and I, I'll just – push through, you know, pushing my day chair with one hand while the other one's on, on my other chair and people are like, they'll stop and stare at me. And, you know, yeah. and, you know, and, you know, I often, oh, do you need a hand? I'm like, no, I'm all good, you know, I've done this before. And um, Do you like the offer of help? I, had, I was having a discussion before about this and I think for somebody who doesn't have a disability, having that conversation, um, yeah, do I don't. I don't mind people offering, yeah. but off, at least offer. Don't just help. Yes. Do not. Yeah. Don't just come oh. up and think that <laughs> I need need a hand. Yeah. Um, I've I've had experiences, not so much travelling, but um, you know, just moving around Brisbane. Brisbane's a hilly city. You know, I've got to push up hills sometimes, and um, someone will come up and just grab the the back of the chair to help me. And you know, my chair is set up that it. Um, it, it tips quite easily. Yes. Um, just because when you're going over gutters, you want to be able to flip the front wheels up so they don't catch on stuff. So they, they grab the back of the chair and it'll, it'll tip me backwards. And I'm like, don't, like, you wouldn't go up and grab someone's you arm and up. help them no. up. up. Just like, don't, don't do that to someone in a chair. Just go no. up and go, do you need any help? And if they do, they'll say, yes, that'd be great. Thank you. Or, no, oh, thanks. I'm right. Yeah, but don't just do it. it. They're very light. I mean, I've sat in one and they, they can tip very easily. Like, oh. They're very mobile and, um, yeah, super light. And, my God, it just blink back a little bit. There's a real art to it. Don't people think if I have my backpack on, so, you know, a little day pack and I'll just put it on my shoulders like everyone else does, if I sit up straight um, and lean back slightly, my te- chair will tip over. Mm-hmm. But that's how... Twitchy it is. So, um, yeah, and I, I, I did it. I did it in the lift one day. I was. I had my bag on my lap. I went. Oh, I'll just flick it onto my back, and I put my hands up above my head, and the chair tipped backwards, and I slammed into the wall. So, 
yeah. But yes, uh, I think that's like going back to your question uh, about other travellers. Um, if if you feel if you want to feel better about yourself about helping somebody, at least offer first. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a fit I'm a fit guy, and um, I'm probably fitter than the majority of people out there. So. Just because I'm in the chair doesn't mean I'm more capable. So, yeah, yeah. and it's a, it's it's polite. Ask them on what they need if they need, and yes. you know, um, you maybe observe for a second too, and and probably think if you've got two wheelchairs and a tennis bag and another yeah. bag, yeah, I'm guessing you've probably done it once or twice. <laughs> Hi, Harper. We've got a kitty cat on the uh, podcast, kitty cat. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. And that is one – well, I, I know you're a lovely partner, but I uh, also have had the pleasure of pet-sitting your wonderful kitty. Yes. Hey, babies. We you have. Cause when have you, you met Luna? I have met Luna. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. yeah she's, she's a little black-eyed at the moment. She's wanting to play, so. Ah. But yes, you guys go away, and I, I would come and yes. visit yep. the pets. Yep. But, so you said you haven't really had any bad travel experiences. I mean, generally, what has been a great positive travel experience for you, or just a trip you loved? You know, um, I, I think the, the the trip that I've probably loved the most, and it was pre-accident, so. Um, it doesn't really sort of count in the disability uh, uh, conversation, but my first trip to to America was probably is probably the most amazing one that I've ever had, and it's maybe because it was my first trip. Um, but just the I I went over there and I worked in a summer camp for a period for for the summer, obviously, and then met friends in New Orleans, and then we're like, well, we need to get up to um, St. Louis, and then. Um, you know, then we're flying from St. Louis to Minneapolis and then we're going to visit friends in northern Minnesota and we're like, oh, how are we going to get up there? And one of the guys didn't have the, the flight from St. Louis to Minneapolis and I went, how about we buy a van and you can, we all drive up to St. Louis, you drive up to Minneapolis and, and meet us and then we'll continue on our journey. So we bought this van and then road tripped around up through the south and, and the Midwest and then along the northern northern states and the, the Great Lakes. So and it was just amazing. So And you've now been you go to the States for, for tournaments now? Is that why you go? Uh, last time I, I went was for a tournament well was was for a tournament but also to catch up with friends. I have I have some very good friends over there that I've made um or the, the first one of them I actually met here in Queensland and then when we're over there, he's like, oh, you should come and visit. And so we did. And I've met all these other people through that. And, yeah, um, I went back in 2018 and that was the first time I'd been back there since 2002. So I was, while I'm, if I'm going over there and I'm going to play a tournament, I might as well take the time to come up with some people as well. So, yeah. Um, but I, I think, and they want me to go back over again, obviously, but um, I'm like, yeah, there's so many other places I want to go visit. And I think once all this crazy COVID stuff lifts and we can start travelling overseas again, I'm, I'm going to start making my list of places. Like I wanted to go to Japan since I was in high school and I've never been. 
So I'm going to go to Japan. <laughs> okay. And I have—I know the ski fields certainly are very good with the accessibility. Yes. So I don't know about everywhere else, but I have a feeling it is very, very good. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I know, like, I, I know quite a few of the Japanese wheelchair tennis players. So, um, uh, and uh, you know, other players that have gone and, and played there, and <coughs> obviously. Um, when you're at at a wheelchair tournament, everything's going to be great for access. Yeah, actually, it's not always. Um, <laughs> the irony. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, a tournament I played in <laughs> Malaysia uh, back in 2018 that was not fantastic. Um, but you know, you just kind of roll with it, and eh, pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, you just, you, I guess you, you kind of adapt and, um, and, and, and find ways to, to get around, um, the, the, the access issues. So, um, and I love that word using that in sport as well. And, and I learned from doing the work with Disabled Winner Sport Australia is that adaptability is such a nice accessibility, adaptability. Yeah. Like, you know, yes, this place isn't necessarily, you know, and, you know, not using those like dis- disability friendly. It's like, is it accessible? Yeah. Um, or is it adaptable? Can we adapt? Or yeah. how can I adapt so that I can do the thing that I want to do? Yeah. And, I mean, just from my experience, it's a lot easier for me to adapt to mm. um, to, to a situation because uh, I'm lucky enough that I'm able to stand and, and, and move about. Um, certainly there are issues uh, for other players where, you know, bathrooms bathrooms aren't accessible or um, and I, I know one of the um, some of the places in in Southeast Asia where they still have the you know the the, the toilets that you've got down over a hole. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there's no way in hell I would be able to do that. Yeah, because I don't have that ability. Like, so what am I going to do? Is that my only option? You know what? I'd, so going to somewhere like that would require me to do a bit of research to sort of see: am I going to be able to get accommodation where I can stay where I'm going to have a Western toilet to use um, or, you know, what am I going to have to do to be able to, to use the amenities sort of thing? So, um, yeah. and, you know, I'm, I'm sure I would find a way if that was my only option, but, you know, for someone that doesn't have my functionality, it's it's not going to be an option. So they're not going to sit on a hole in the ground. So. Sorry that I kind of went to an unpleasant place, but, you know. No, no, but, things, but these are things that we don't, that you take for granted um, yes. when you don't, if you don't have a disability or if you haven't interacted with someone with a disability. And there's, there's places, you know, even in Sydney, I went to a restaurant and I did the right thing. I called and said, my friend has a wheelchair and, you know, are we, are we able to access? And they said yes. Well, there was a step to get in. That was one yeah. And then they put us, they, I booked a table and yeah. they put us at a high table with right. high chairs. And I'm like, well, he's going to have to get out of the chair. So yeah. he's there by that point. So I'm like, can we have a lower table, please? Uh, and then he, well, we're like, where's the bathroom? And it was down a set of stairs. 
and yeah. then stared again in. For him to go, he would have to go around the block into the side street and like, down the back alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I've 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 been places in Brisbane, or you ring up and go, "Oh, is the place accessible?" And I'm like, "Yep." There's no steps, and you're like, excellent. And you rock up. There's no steps. It's great. You just wheel straight in, and the tables are so closely packed together that you can't actually get through. Yeah. So yeah. you know, someone standing and walking, they you know they can turn sideways and squeeze through. Yeah. You know. But you know, you get brush your palm against someone's back, or excuse me, yeah. if I'm in the chair, I'm not going to fit through there. Like, it's yeah. Absolutely. Or there was just, yeah, there was still like, well, there'll be one step still and you're like, there's not stairs but there's a step. Yeah. You're in a wheelie thing. Yeah. And, you know, some some steps you can get up and down easy enough. Um, But, again, not everyone can do that. Someone in in a power chair can't do that. You know, someone in a manual chair can because they can flick the front wheels up and they might be able to pull themselves up using the door frame or, you know, there's or just getting enough momentum that you can hop up the step. You know, going down is a, a lot easier. But, um, yeah, if you're in a power chair, you, you can't do that. Or if you're using a walker or, you know, you know something like that, it's um, it does make it a little bit dif- difficult and, and, and travelling – I guess that's where the the unknown is. Like moving around Brisbane, it's like I know how to get from here to here, and the most accessible route to do that. It might mean it's it's longer for me to get there because I've got to avoid stairs and stuff. But when I rock up in a foreign city, I'm like, I don't, you don't. I don't know where all. The, I don't know where the accessible route was. And in KL, when I was there, so. A, after my trip to the States in 2018, I did I did one tournament over there. I got back. I was back a week and then went and did three tournaments in Malaysia. One was out on uh, Love One Island, which is just off Borneo, and then um, <clears throat> two in Kuala Lumpur. And I thought Kuala Lumpur's fairly modern city and um, it – all the, the streets and the gutterings there are built for the monsoon, so they're really deep. Yeah. So they they obviously done some work on some footpaths, and they made the the from the footpath down to the road crossings really accessible, nice ramps. But you get across the road, and there's no ramp to get back up. So I'm like, oh, what am I going to do here? So I was pushing along the road with the traffic till I could find the spot to get back onto the footpaths. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's not cool. And, you know, <laughs> some people would go, oh, it was a horrible experience. I just, to me, it's just an experience. So it's like it's all part of the, the joy of travelling for me. It's like you you take the good with the bad. So, well, the bad with the good. That depends on how you want to look at it. But, yeah, and it's just um, going to be your willingness, I guess, to navigate those situations. But it's, it's unfortunate when you're forced to, but um, yeah. I guess yeah. from in travelling, we're all probably put in situations where, I mean, I've dragged, you know, stupidly dragged suitcases along, you know, got to a beach. <laughs> but I got to yeah. drag a suitcase along the sand and be like, maybe I should have a backpack. Yeah. Um, that would have probably yeah. been a smarter idea. But Yeah. <laughs> and you don't know what the situation's going to be like till you're, you're actually on the ground. I mean, I, I assume that KL being a large modern city would be more accessible. And... Some of it, some of it's great. Some of it's not so great. But 
that's the same with Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane and, you know, cities in the US that I've been to. So, um, yeah, I mean, some places are great, some some are good, some are not great, but, you know, you kind of, I guess if I go expecting the worst for access, I'm always going to be surprised when I find something good. So, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's, that's a nice way to put on. Yeah, yeah. Don't, so, um, don't, don't assume that when you rock up at the the the, the town in um, northern Scotland that is you know a thousand years old is going to have ramps and stuff everywhere. You know, no. it's, it's going to have flagstones and cobbled streets and yeah, which are, are difficult to navigate in a chair. So yeah. So be prepared for it. As well, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> and you're in the streets of Italy and you're like, oh, gosh, this is a terrible idea. Why did I do this? Oh, yeah. I I, I went went to Pompeii and I'm like, I'm glad I didn't do oh. that in the chair. That would have been horrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I was just thinking, I think of those streets as well. I was like, oh. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. but there, but there, there, there is equipment that I can attach to my chair so that I have an attachment that I put onto the front of my chair that lifts the front casters up off the ground and the wheel is the size of a pram wheel. And so it, it can roll over those sort of things. So it just makes it easier. So yeah, it just, cool. yeah, yeah. It makes the chair a bit longer, but you know what? I can still roll across rocks and cobbled stones and all those sort of things. So I love it. So is there any place that you just wouldn't go? Like you just like, I just, too hard basket, can't be bothered? Um, no, I don't think I would say never go. Um, if I've got the right equipment, any anything's going to be accessible. Like I can I can put off road tires on the chair and you know put the free wheel on it so I can I can go on you know, tracks and, and stuff. If I was in Serengeti or um, you know, I, yeah, I don't I don't think if if I've if I've got the equipment to to adapt. Um, it's it's really not going to be an issue, but it's your willingness as well, isn't it? Because you know, yes, exactly. Like Kurt Fernley did Kokoda. Yeah, on his there. knees. Yeah. yeah, I was there, and I was like, oh man, like I I struggled. I just I thought of him a few times. I was like, bravo, man, bravo. Yeah, exactly. You know, so if there's the willingness is there, yeah, anything. So yeah, and I just spoke to Julie from Travel Without Limits, and she was talking about <laughs> there was a lady who was a wheelchair user did Kilimanjaro. Yeah. Um, you know, so and I know um, a vision impaired man who who's climbed Kilimanjaro, and again I was there and I, I thought of him and I thought, oh gosh, okay. His name wasn't Brian, was it? Sorry. His name wasn't Brian, was it? No, his name is. Oh, I'm just going right now. Gary Horn. Gary Horn. He's American. Okay. So, yeah. Because um, no, I there's yeah. a with my work at, at Sporting Wheelies, um, you know, lots of people come through there with you know. They don't let anything really stop them. They'll just get out there and, yeah, but the guy with a vision impairment came in and said, oh, I'm climbing up Kilimanjaro, so I'm training for that. I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I was, you know, it's, it's, but it's, yeah, where there's a will, there's a way. And, um, you know, I found it challenging, but, you know, I had the full respect and it was like, but you adapt because it's, you know, I think, yeah. you, I think, because I have vision going, I can't imagine doing this and coming out of sea. Well, if you have no choice, you're going to find a way. Yeah, um, exactly. And he did, and he loved the experience. And I, you know, I think yeah. it's, I think it's brilliant. Um, and I love that 
there are people willing to help. And actually sometimes in those places, um, you know, there are more people around to potentially help and it just might be that you need to hire an extra porter to be your Yeah, yeah. Um, because yeah, I, I know, um, you know, uh, some guys in chairs, you know, they'll, they'll do treks and it'll be, you know, four guys will just pick them up and carry them over a bit and then they'll, they'll, they'll wheel as much as they can and then someone will pick them up and lift them up a section or, you know, so... Having that willingness is always a there's always a way around stuff. So and you know, I can be a little bit stubbornly independent at times. So I don't know how I would go with having someone carry me in my chair. I'd probably just go, You carry the chair, I'm gonna walk. <laughs> Why do I have that option? So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. So do you have one tra- like one travel tip for us? And it, it can be a general travel tip or um, well, I was, I was, because well, I, I read pre-read your questions, um, <laughs> and um, I'm like, what's the travel tip? And I think uh, as someone that travels with um, wheelchairs, um, have spare tubes with you and know how to change a tire. Yeah. Because. Um, you're not going to always be close to somewhere where you can go into a bike store and, and buy a tyre or get someone to change it for you. So have it there because um, if you blow a tyre and you're relying on that chair to get around and you can't pump it up or replace the tube in it, you're stuck. Yeah. Yeah. So and it is surprising how many people that use chairs don't know how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely for somebody as well, we talked about um, Julian before that some people might be new to using a chair um, and they might be, that they still want to have those travel experiences as they absolutely should be able to have. Um, So just uh, that's great to have things to think about that you might not have thought about previously that now that you have a chair, you're like, well, yeah, go to Shakespeare. So I, I always carry tire levers with me, a spare tube. And a multi-tool with all the Allen keys and stuff on it that I need. So if I need to tighten stuff up on my chair or change a tube or whatever, I can do it. So, yeah. um, and um, I, I generally carry carry a manual pump, but um, there's uh, one of my friends recently got a little compressor that is the size of a cigarette packet that can put his tires up to 120 psi. I'm like. I need to get me one of those because sometimes carrying a big pump around is just not practical. Like if I've got a, uh, a compressor that's the size of a cigarette packet, I can just put it in my bag underneath my chair and I'm not even going to notice it's there. So, And then if I need it, I've got something. But if I don't need it, it doesn't matter. It's not it's not taking up a lot of room. So. That's perfect. I love yeah. it. I love you. I love that uh, there's no limits and uh, look forward to uh, seeing where you head off to when we're allowed to. So yes. Thank you so much. Well, I can't, I can't even go and play tournaments in Australia now. It's frustrating. So they cancel them all. <sighs> Maybe you'll get to see more of Queensland then. Yes. Well, that's that's the plan. So um, I'm thinking, yeah, I always I, I want to do a road trip out to Longreach. So I might just have to load the car up and head yeah. west. I love it. Thank you so much for your time. And no worries. Time. Thank you. Really appreciated it. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
Well, thank you, Emma. That was a great chat between you and Kent. Um, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I just want to, again, remind people that it's the International Day of People with Disabilities. Um, so that is, as Kent mentioned, you know, in terms of how we address people, address the person first. So mm. we don't say disabled person, it's person with a disability. Um, always trying to think about, um, yeah, you know, these are, people and and they want to travel too and it's you know that's why we did this episode it's about accessible travel and just taking like just taking a second to think about somebody else's worldview um and and leading with the person in terms of um what what do you want what do you need um how can we support you um as opposed to what we sort of think they might need or, or want or whatever. So like someone like Kent is really awesome at articulating what, what he, he needs and uh, yep. yeah, let's, let's widen that conversation and hear from more people like Kent. Sure. If you uh, heard Kent's story and, and feel inspired and, and want to share something of your own, um, challenging or not so challenging, uh, we'd love for you to get in contact with us. Uh, yeah, we have some amazing us. people actually in our group, in our lovely travels community. So I'll be really love mm. to hear from them after this these episodes and, and to hear their perspectives because there's a lot of you know they're just there's so many different experiences. Everybody's unique, so um, to keep sharing those and keep hearing those stories would be great. So please keep yeah. them coming. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. We we know you know you know where to find us. So sh- uh, check the show notes. Uh, all the just search lovely travels L O V E L L Y. You'll find us, and uh, we can't wait to hear from you. That's right. We're waiting for your calls or emails or, or emails message. or instant messages or smoke signals. Um, rock carvings are also accepted. We love it. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye.